Mickey Gumbel, in the Alpha Course, tells the story of a British family who hired, I think it was a French au pair girl, to look after their three rambunctious kids. Her English was improving all the time, but sometimes she got her idioms all muddled up. And one time there was an unusual amount of noise coming from the kids' nursery. And so this au pair girl went in to sort things out. She opened the door, slung it open, and said in a loud voice, she intended to say, what on earth are you doing? But she ended up saying, what are you doing on earth? (laughs) Which is actually probably a better question to ask. What are you doing on earth? Why are you here? What's the purpose of life? Mark Twain used to say that there are two significant days in a person's life. The day that they were born and the day they discover why. And so today we are going to begin to investigate that huge question. Why are we here? What's the purpose of you and I? And when you think how small and insignificant our planet is, tucked away in a tiny corner of the Milky Way, there we are. In fact, I can see Norm right there. (laughs) And when you realize how lost our galaxy is in the vast expanse of the universe, and how utterly puny you and I are, one in 7.6 billion people who are alive on the face of the earth today. It's a question that we need to consider. What on earth are we doing? What are we doing on earth? This is the question I want to answer this morning. And you know what? We won't find the answer in a biology textbook or a political manifesto or a self-help magazine or a trendy seminar, or anywhere else online. The only place that we'll find the answer to that and all of life's questions is in the Bible, is in God's eternal message to mankind. Now, I don't have one scripture I want to base my message on this morning, but I want to begin by reading several. See if you can spot... This is a skill-testing question, Terry Lowen. So I want you to listen particularly hard today. Terry and I have a, a good banter with one another. Last night, my phone binged and it was Terry sending me a text. And I thought, well, that's nice and encouraging. Maybe he's going to encourage me out of tomorrow's meeting. And it was a picture of... A baboon, I think it was, or, or, or a mandrill. And underneath it said, I didn't know this, you'd taken out an Instagram page and that this was your profile picture. <laughs> so I wrote back and I said to him, no, I wanted to put your picture on first. <laughs> Skill testing question. Why are we here? What are we doing on earth? All the families of earth shall worship before you, the psalmist said. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The Father is seeking people who will worship him. I fell down at his feet, at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, you must not do that. Worship God. Why are we here on earth? We are here to worship. We are here to worship. Why are we here on earth, Terry Lowen? We are here to worship. Why are we here on earth, church? We are here to worship. We begin a new series today entitled, Where Your Treasure Is. And really, it's all about worship. The first message, the one I'm going to preach this morning, is entitled, Made for Worship. And we're going to see how this Bible truth of worship actually connects with three other significant Bible truths. And the first is this, that men and women are unique. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, the writer says, He has made everything beautiful in his time, and he has also planted eternity into the human heart, into every human heart, the NLT says. The Bible begins with the wonderful story of creation. When God spoke into the chaos and brought forth cosmos. Creation didn't come about by chance, it came about by choice. A sovereign God spoke from his throne of absolute authority and at his command the entire universe came into being. Before he opened his mouth, there was only darkness. But after he spoke, light began to shine. And God marshaled it and ordered it into the sun and the moon and all the stars. Glance up at the night sky on a clear evening and you'll see about 3,000 stars. Look through a telescope and you'll see about 3 million But astronomers tell us that in our universe there's 200 billion. In our galaxy there are 200 billion stars. And in our universe there's 200 billion galaxies. Some astronomers say actually it's 10 times that amount. And God made it all with the word of his power. There wasn't a single bead of sweat on him. There wasn't an ounce of effort that had to be exerted. God simply sat on his throne and spoke the word and it came into being. But not only was the pre-creation earth dark, it was also empty. And so after light, God brought forth life. And he brought forth life in abundance. He's made this planet teem with life. 
Did you know there are over 5,400 different species of mammal, 10,000 different species of bird, 11,000 different species of reptile, 17,000 different species of butterfly, 34,000 different species of fish, 160,000 different species of moth, over 900,000 different species of insect. The planet just teems with life. That in one square kilometre of prairie land, there are more living organisms than there are people on the face of the earth. And scientists are discovering new species every single year. Some research I, 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 I did about this says that steadily, every year, there's between 15 and 18,000 different species being discovered that people never even knew about. And it started already that there's a species of shark being discovered. Since 31st December 2018, nobody knew about. There's a species of tree frog being discovered in the month of January. And so it goes on. We haven't even begun to map the extent of the diversity of creation that God brought into being. But you know what? As wonderful and as amazing all that is, there was some place greater that God was headed. In the Hebrew text of Genesis, the first five days are referred to without the definite article. They're just ordinary creation days, if, if that's not an oxymoron. But when it comes to the final day, when it comes to the sixth day, The writer adds the definite article. This was the day. This was the day that God had been waiting for. The special day that had been in his heart from before time itself. And on this day, God didn't speak from the distance of his throne, but God came down in his own person. And he scooped up a handful of fresh dust from the Garden of Eden. And then he began to form it and fashion it. He widened its shoulders. He narrowed its waist. He flattened his abs. He pulled out his pecs. And there in his hand was the mannequin of Adam. And what happened next? The angel stood on tiptoe to see. Because God took a deep breath and blew life into him. So something went from deep in God to deep into the dust of the ground. And he became a living being. Now a unique species is on the face of the earth. Now there's flesh and blood combined with spirit. Now there's the dust of the ground and the breath of heaven. Now there's a human person in God's own image. Now there's part of the creation that's also like the creator. Now there's a father and his son. And that's why Darwin's theory of evolution is such a travesty. Because it brackets you and me with the animals. When really the Bible brackets us with God. Psalm 8 says, what is man that you are mindful of him and yet you have made him a little lower than God himself. Now here on the earth is someone 
who's been made by God, like God, and for God. God gives Adam a mate. He puts them both in the garden. And then in the cool of the day, in the winds, the scripture literally says, he comes down and he walks with them and he talks with them and they walk with him and they talk with him and that's called worship. We were made for it and it brings pleasure to God. Of all the other millions of forms of life here on the earth, only human beings, you and me, can reach up and touch the heart of God and bring joy to his heart. And turning it round, only God can reach down and touch the heart of men and women and bring fulfillment to who they are. Because we were made for worship. And now in our sin, separated as we are from God, all we find is futility and frustration. Freddie Mercury, the tremendously gifted lead singer of the pop group Queen, is, is gone now. But he once told an interviewer, he said, he said, my career has brought me worldwide fame and millions of pounds, but not the thing I desired most in life. The best-selling author Jack Higgins once said, I wish somebody had told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. Elvis Presley, the king of rock, he had all the gadgets in the world. He had aeroplanes and buses and, and cars and, and limousines and motorcycles. But he died a lonely man. Because we aren't made for these things. We are made for worship. Today's Super Bowl. Uh, Dion Sanders he was actually a star athlete of both baseball and football. He won two Super Bowl rings, once with the San Francisco 49ers, once with the Dallas Cowboys. But after winning his second victory, he never even went to the celebratory party because he knew that what he was looking for in life would not be found there. He said, despite all my achievements... And I've tried everything. I've tried partying. I've tried women. I've tried jewelry. I've tried gadgets. There's still a gaping hole deep in my heart. That same week, he picked up a new car. A 275,000 Lamborghini sports car. But he said he hadn't traveled a kilometer before he said to himself, this isn't what I'm looking for either. It was only when someone told him about Jesus and he gave his life to Christ. He said it was like a 747 came down and landed there in my room with all the landing lights on. He said, this is what I was looking for. Only God was big enough to fill the gaping void 
that was in my life. You know why? Because he was made for worship. Centuries before Augustine said, we were made for you and our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. And maybe this morning you're visiting this church. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe he for the first time or maybe you've been a few times and you're trying to think, what is it that these people have? It's a relationship with God. They've discovered the reason why they're on the earth, to worship him. And do you know, that's the reason you are here too. And the only time you're going to find fulfillment is when you give your life to Jesus Christ. When you reconnect with God and you find out, this is why I was born. Maybe you're a prodigal here. You were born for worship. You weren't born for backsliding. You weren't born for partying. You weren't born for immorality. You weren't born for drugs. All those things are pale imitations and they'll never be able to touch you like the finger of God can because he's given you a spirit and only his spirit can bring satisfaction to who you are. Maybe you're contemplating being a prodigal. Maybe you've hung around church, but now you're in your teens or your early 20s. You think, hey, I want, to, I want to flap my wings. I want to be my own person. I tell you, you'll never find more fulfillment than worshipping Jesus Christ. Because that is why you were made. That's why you were on earth. That's why you were born. We are here to worship. To walk and talk with our Father. Well, that's the first truth that worship intersects with. That we are unique. Men and women are in God's image. But here's the second truth. God has a plan for the earth. God has a plan for the earth. In Genesis 2, chapter, in Genesis 2 verse 8, it says this. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Now you could actually translate that Hebrew phrase, the Lord God transplanted a garden in Eden. In other words, God took a little piece of heaven and he put it on the earth. And his eternal desire is that there would be a colony of glory here on our living planet. That here in the realms of space and time, there would be a mirror image of everything that's going off in heaven. This time with worship, not coming from the mouths of angels, but humans. Not coming from the lips of seraphs and cherubs, but men and women. From you and from me. And God's original plan and purpose was that Adam and Eve would walk throughout the span of time, would be fruitful, would multiply, would fill the earth with other men and women that looked just like God. And that in the cool of the evening, God would come down and all of humanity would long for that moment when they could walk with, talk to and love on Papa. And the sound of that is called worship. 
And God's purpose was that it would increase and grow as the family of God grew until from pole to pole and from sea to sea, in every corner and on every continent, the sound of worship would ascend. You know, theologians have tried to define what worship is and they've pulled out some $5 words to try and do it. Listen to what Sir William Temple says and how he defines worship. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. Hey, that's a pretty good definition. Alexander Smith Patterson said it like this, that worship is to make God the supreme object of our esteem and delight, both in public, private, and secret. But I like the simplicity of Rick Warren's definition. Worship is loving God back. Isn't that great? Worship is loving God back. And there are a myriad ways in which we can do it. We can do that through playing an instrument like we've seen and I really appreciated uh, the worship this morning. And last time we were here, Amber, I really appreciated the worship that you led and the, the, the presence of God that you stewarded. Thank you for that. You can do it by singing a song. You can do it by offering up praise. You can do it by giving thanks. You can do it by changing wrong behavior. You can do it by releasing tithes. It's all expression of purpose, of of worship, because that's the purpose for which we were born. It's all about loving God back. Now, that was God's original purpose, but Adam sinned. He went his own way. He rejected God's purpose. And for a season, worship was silenced on the earth. But God's not given up on his original purpose. He has determined that the earth will still fulfill the purpose for which God fashioned it. Didn't Jesus teach us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God's commitment to man, even in his sin in the Garden of Eden, is if I can't walk with you, Relationally, I will walk with you redemptively. What the first Adam lost, the last Adam will recover. And through Christ, God will have the family he desires on the earth. And the earth will be the theater in which the drama of God's will shall be enacted on the stage of human history. Four times God repeats his plan. And and in one of Terry's songs this morning, it echoed that. Once it comes in Numbers 14, once it comes in Psalm 72, once it comes in Isaiah 11, and once it comes in Habakkuk 3, and it's this, that the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That that's God's plan and his purpose, church, that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that the water, as the waters cover the sea. You see, the earth does not belong to the devil. 
The earth does not belong to human tyrants. The earth does not belong to global warming. The earth belongs to the Lord. The psalmist says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all who dwell therein. And God's original purpose that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea has not been rescinded and it's not been diminished. But rather through the cross and the work of Jesus Christ, it will be established as truly as I live. John Piper says, missions exist because worship does not. And through the work of the church, through the folly of preaching, through the strategy of missions, through the sacrifice of workers, because of the cross, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation on the face of the earth, God will have a multinational, multi-generational family who will once again walk with him and love him back. The earth being filled with the glory of the Lord is not a spooky thing. It's about worship. Notice it said the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You can verify this. You can hear it. You can see it. You can participate in it. And this morning as we are here worshipping God in music and worshipping God by listening to his word and worshipping God by giving our offerings and worshipping God by responding to it is the reason we were born and it's filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And God loves worship. And once again he comes down in the cool of the day. Actually, maybe we get more of God here in Winnipeg because it's the, because it's the cool of the day and the cool of the night and the cool of in between than anywhere else on the face of the earth. He comes down in the winds, the Hebrew says. What happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came? And that's right, there was a rush of mighty wind. And in the wind of his spirit, God is here this morning. And as we reach up to touch him and bring joy to his heart, he reaches down and blesses us. I, I can't remember if I told you this story, but I'm going to tell it you even if I did, because it's a good one. We were in Thunder Bay just before Christmas, and uh, Val was speaking at a ladies' breakfast on the Saturday morning. And uh, the women decided, rather than have a present uh, share with one another that they'd pool their money they'd buy some good things they'd parcel them up and they'd give them to women in the homeless shelter well straight away I mean you knew that God was all over that and as those women came together and started to worship in song and worship by listening to Val and worship by loving others God came into that room now, there was a lady who was attending, wasn't a Christian. She was the mum of one of the ladies in the church. And she didn't get out much. And so her daughter invited her to be part of this. And so she readily accepted. She'd had a bit of a bad time recently because she'd lost a lot of the strength in her legs. Her mobility wasn't what it used to be. She couldn't walk without a walking frame. And when she did walk, she always veered off in, in, in a 
particular direction. She couldn't walk in a straight line. The MRIs and CAT scans didn't show anything. Uh, And so she thought, well, this is the way I'm going to have to live from now on. In addition to that, she lost her strength. She had to sell her car. She had to sell her house. And she had to move into a care home. And then she came to this morning breakfast. A few days later, she was in her room after lunch and somebody came and knocked on the door and they said to her oh you left this down in the dining room and it was a frame walking frame and so she thought well if my frame is in the dining room how did I get up here and then she realized she'd walked she'd stood up from her table she'd walked to the elevator she'd gone up in the elevator she'd walked down the corridor she'd walked into her room and She did it without any help whatsoever. And then she realized, hey, gee, I'm walking. Hey, my strength's coming back. Hey, I'm feeling good. And that, later that week, she went out for uh, coffee with her daughter and her daughter's jaw just hit the floor when mum came striding in, her old self. And this was her testimony. She says, as I sat in the worship last Sunday, God healed me. Now she doesn't even know Christ yet. And now she's telling other people, you need to go into, you need to ask God to heal you and touch you. You see, when we worship, God comes. And when we touch his heart and bring him joy, he releases blessing just because. You know what? Maybe this morning, as you sit here in need, God's going to touch you. Is there anybody here in, in, that really needs a touch from God? Okay, you know what? May, may, may the Lord touch you, Dave. May the Lord strengthen your heart. May the Lord reverse the effect of your medication. May, your, may, may these next decades be just full of health and strength. And may we drink from your wisdom and your understanding and your ability to break open the word of God. And Val, may you know, may you know the touch of God in your life. Even as you sit in his presence now, in the cool of the evening, in the winds of his presence, may he minister to you and touch you and, 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 and leave behind evidence of his love and his care. May your body and mind and soul be purged of every weakness and infirmity and might you know the love of God in a powerful, powerful way. You know what, church, when we come together, don't expect the same old, same old. We were made for the, we, were ma- we weren't made for the natural realm. It's a, it's a good job. We were made for the supernatural realm. And when we come into God's presence, that's why we were born. And he loves it. And he comes and he loves to bless us. Expect the unexpected. Expect healing. Expect deliverance. Expect circumstances to change. Expect hard hearts to be softened. Expect it 
because God loves to inhabit the worship of his people. So, third point. Three truths worship intersects with. It intersects with the fact that we are unique. It intersects with the fact that God has a plan for the earth. And it intersects with what begins here will end in eternity. You know, worship is the atmosphere of heaven. When John was taken there, he hears this poem being recited. I say poem because the scripture says that they said, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and for your pleasure they existed and they were created. That's Revelation 4.11 and that was the elders of heaven. And then John goes in a bit further. And then he sees the lamb. And when he sees the lamb something different happens. Peter Todd in his book says when he sees the lamb people begin to sing. That's an interesting truth. And this is what they sing. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth. That's the angels of heaven. And their number is 10,000 times 10,000. But then John goes in a bit further. That's Revelation 5. Now in Revelation 7 he says, And after this I looked, and behold a great multitude. This is us. This is the church. This is the redeemed. This is you and me. This is the, the ransom from every era of history and every nation on the face of the earth. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne, standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands. That's the symbolic of worship. Crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. And then the angels join in and together heaven and earth Angels and men, this is the refrain they say. Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Seven expressions of worship there. The perfect number in the Jewish understanding. Perfect worship in heaven as the angels and the redeemed call out to God in grateful thanksgiving for all that he has done. Coming into the fullness of why they were created. We were made for worship. Different from all the other animals on the face of the earth. Given a spirit made for God. God wants an outpost of heaven here on the earth. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Adam's sin silenced it, but Christ's blood makes it possible again. And this will resound throughout all eternity, filling not just the earth, but heaven itself, and beyond that, the new heavens and the new earth. This is why we are here. What on earth are we doing? <laughs> Worshipping. What are we doing on earth? Worshipping. 
That's how God has made us. And may this series unfold and bring you rich revelation. And may you grow in your understanding. May you grow in your participation. May you know that you were created for the supernatural. And every time you worship, might there be this exchange. You touching God and God touching you for our good and his glory. Amen.